Welcome, friends. I'm your host, Arena Gilmore Young. And I'm Sean Young, and you're listening to episode 12 of Walk, Run, Soar, a podcast about the intersection of faith and running. We help runners and walkers who lack purpose with their exercise routine or lack of routine and long to experience God in a more meaningful way while they walk or run. Today, we are interviewing Tony Churchill, who happens to be my running coach from high school. He coached track, soccer, baseball, basketball, wrestling, and tennis. He's been coaching and teaching for more than 35 years, and we had a great chat with him about his coaching philosophy, reminiscing about the glory days when I used to run track and play soccer for him back in high school, and how scripture inspires him. Friends, thanks for tuning in to our podcast. We are here to run with you, to pace you, and to inspire you with weekly devotional scripture, interviews, and quick coaching tips in about the time it takes you to go for a short run or walk. So pop in your earbuds and listen in. Each week, I'll be starting off by sharing just a short word of encouragement from scripture to help give you a cool drink of living water before we go into our interview time. And today I want to talk about the theme of pressing on toward the goal. In Philippians 3, verses 13 to 14, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I think this is a great word for us during this time, during this season, as we are closing out 2020. And it kind of reminds me of something that we have done through the years with our Remember Haiti Half Marathon training team. Sean and I coach this team every fall. And typically, not in 2020 during COVID times, but typically we have hosted a family track night on Thursday nights at a local high school track just a few minutes from our home. And this has been just an amazing time of building community. The moms bring cooler bags that are filled with fruit strips and popsicles and cheese sticks and drinks, and we spread picnic blankets out, the kids to run around in the grass on the football field while the older kids and the parents will do their workout on the track. This is something that we have really come to look forward to, just a time to gather together, to work out together, and even to pray together as we are raising funds for whatever project we are doing that year for Haiti with the organization Haiti Go!, So these workouts on the track are something that I have always really personally loved because they energize me, um, especially when the temperature kind of cools down in the fall. Sean usually has people do a little warm up with dynamic exercises and stretches, and then we get out there and do interval workouts. This is something where we can learn how to run a little bit faster speeds, where we can learn to improve our running form, and it's a time where we can gauge where we're at with our pacing. 
a lot of us are at different paces, but Mm -hmm. the nice thing about being on the track is that you will continue to pass each other and be able to encourage each other. So we'll run 400s, which is one time around the track, depending on what he gives us for that night. It's always a little Mm -hmm. bit of a surprise. So as a person who is part of the team, but also a coach on the team, I really enjoy these evenings. And I love them partly because I was a track athlete in my younger days. We're going to talk about that a little bit more on this episode. And on the track, there's just something that happens inside me where I feel this freedom to just go all out because I know where the starting line is. I know where the halfway point is. I know where the finish line is. And when that finish line is in sight, I love to just run my heart out to sprint. And I'm not normally sprinting when I'm running a half marathon or a marathon, but I think there's just something that kind of takes me back. And I love the idea of pressing on toward the finish. So in Philippians 3 that I read at the beginning, the Apostle Paul is writing from prison in Rome while awaiting his sentence. And Paul uses this running metaphor. I kind of think he was a huge fan of the original Olympic Games because he often talks about running throughout his letters. And specifically in verses 13 and 14, which I read, he's urging the believers in the city of Philippi to persevere with purpose. And he's really just trying to encourage them, admonish them, exhort them. He says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so in this context, we can assume that Paul most looked forward to being with Christ in eternity. I mean, he was in jail. He was waiting to hear his sentence. Quite literally, he was looking forward to being with Jesus Christ in heaven. But he's also encouraging his fellow believers to keep pressing on in their faith, to keep looking toward the prize that they will receive in heaven. And even as some of them are enduring persecution, he's he's telling them to lift their eyes from their suffering and to see the joy that is ahead. And as I was reading through these scriptures again this week, I was just really impressed with how appropriate these words are for this time, for November of 2020, when a lot of us are facing suffering, we are facing disappointment, we are facing grief, and that it is important for us to press on toward the finish line. So that's what I want to encourage you with today. And I want you to think about what's that one disappointment or what's that attitude that is kind of holding you back in this season of life? Let's pray and let's press on so that we can finish well. And so that as we go into 2021, no matter what the circumstances, that we know that we have run our hearts out and that we are chasing after Jesus for the finish line. Welcome, friends. We're so excited for you to be with us today on this last episode of the Walk, Run, Soar podcast for season one. And today, Sean and I are interviewing a very special friend of ours. His name is Tony Churchill, and he happens to be my track and field and soccer coach from high school. So we invited him 
to be with us a couple of months ago for our Walk Run Soar launch party. And he was starting to share some stories. And then we realized we need to invite him to be on the podcast. So just a little bit of context. He is a longtime teacher of 38 years. He's coached soccer, basketball, baseball, wrestling, and tennis. He was also my U.S. history and geography teacher at a school in the south side of Chicago called Morgan Park Academy, and he lived in Chicago for 30 years, but now he is back home in Wisconsin where he lives with his wife, Shelly, and close to his daughter and four grandkids. He also has two sons. So we are super excited to welcome you, Tony. Thanks for being with us. Uh, it's great to be here, Dorian and Sean. Thanks for having me. Well, I'd love for you to start us off by just sharing a little bit more about your family, where you live, and, and what you do to fill your days in this season of life. So as you mentioned, my wife and I here and our daughter and her husband and four kids, they live just up the road. My my parents are in, in the Milwaukee area. My wife's mother is up in far northern Wisconsin. So it was just kind of natural that we came back here from Arizona, although we Miss a lot of the people in the weather in Arizona. It would, especially with the whole COVID thing going on, it's better that we're here than there. We're both still working. My wife is a nurse, and uh, she actually rotates through the the COVID clinic at her hospital. Oh wow! So keep her in your prayers. Yeah. I go to work each day at a correctional facility where I still teach, and it's never dull. Let's put it that way. So that's how we spend a lot of our time is at work and commuting to and from work. When we're not there, we start our day bright and early. We go over and we'll, we exercise at the, the gym near our house. When we get home, we take another walk, just you know, a couple of miles just before we sit down to, to eat. And that's pretty much our routine, except for when family's around, we'll We'll break the routine and do some special things. But exercise is always, and family have always been cornerstones of, of our life and continue to be even now. That's wonderful. So tell us, how did you get started running and exercising? That's a great question. Uh, I think it all started back when I was in grade school and we did the physical fitness tests. Then you'd do like a sprint, then you'd do like a 600-yard run and and so forth. And you get kind of geeked up for that. When I was 10 years old, my parents split up and my dad was a jogger. When he would pick us up and we'd go spend time with them, one of the things that we did was exercise. We I would jog with him. And I couldn't barely keep up. It was all I could do to, to stay with him for even a mile. But I think that that kind of got me going. And then I realized that it was kind of fun. And I enjoyed sports. And in order to play sports that I liked, I had to stay in shape. And that included running. Whether it was running hills or sprints or long distance running, it was running. It was inexpensive. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and uh, something you could do just about anywhere. So running became a key component of my training, even as a teenager, it's just something to do. I think I became like a, a, a endorphin junkie at the time, you know, just, just didn't get away from it. 
I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about your coaching history. You've coached a lot of different sports, many different athletes, maybe hundreds of athletes. Probably thousands. <laughs> thousands. A <Wow. laughs> hundred teams and thousands of athletes. I started out actually coaching in, in college, just volunteering, because I knew I wanted to be a coach and you want to get some experience. So you just have to kind of put yourself out there. So I started just doing it on a volunteer basis. And then when I was doing my student teaching, I volunteered to help coach the baseball team. Okay. Little did I know that God in his infinite wisdom was going to open the door for me to get hired in the job that I was student teaching in. And I'd become the baseball and the wrestling coach. So that was good preparation there because I was going to be coaching a lot of the kids that I had just got done working with as a student teacher. Then we were in Oklahoma there for a year. I really wanted to coach basketball. I realized that that wasn't going to happen at the school that I was at. And to get back closer to family, we moved to Chicago. Now, growing up in Wisconsin and then moving to Chicago was just a complete brain flip because Chicago represented everything bad for me as a cheesehead. And little did I know that it was going to be home for half my life. I won't call it a love, but a fondness. <laughs> generous for, for yeah for for chicago so it was there at morgan park academy like you mentioned that i got to teach and coach a lot of different things including soccer and track and that's where the arena comes into the to the picture because i got to be first her soccer coach and then segued from there to use that against her i guess to, to get her to run track. Coaching is just something I enjoy. I think that the part of it that I enjoy the most is the, the camaraderie it developed, the, the bond that you developed. Like you mentioned, you know, hundreds of kids, thousands of kids. And I can remember so many different little stories about different people. And they really enriched my life. I hope I did a fraction of that for them, but I know that each one of those kids in, enriched my life. I think those bonds that you forge through thick and thin, so to speak, are, are the, the things that mean the most later on. It's not the wins and the losses, although I guess on one level, those are important, but uh, they're not the most important thing. It's the bonds that you make with people and then the experiences you have and how you grow as a result of those. I remember a time when Dorina was in, was in high school, we lost our homecoming game. I don't know if you remember this story, but we lost and I was down. I was really down. And as I was leaving the gym and locking up the gate, there was a man outside the gate and he looked homeless. And, and I believe he was. And he was mute. He had like an index card. And he gave it to me and I read it. And it was something to the effect of, you know, did I have any, could I spare any change that he was the father of, I think it was three children. And, 
you know, he just was trying to provide for his kids and anything I could give him would be great. And could he pray for me? And at that moment, that soccer game that we lost meant absolutely nothing because I realized that what this man was going through was significant. And what we had just experienced was just just a life lesson, just a life experience. But this man was actually doing what he could as a father to provide for his children. Put it all back in perspective. For me. Yeah, yeah, what a great story. So, Church, as Darina's husband, I'm always intrigued by stories from her past. <laughs> and I know that you coached her. Well, you know, you coached her in soccer, in track, had her as a student in your class classroom. Do you have any fun or even incriminating stories that you may want to share with our audience about Darina? Well, for every one incriminating story I may have, she probably has five about me. So I'm going to hold off on those. Hashtag true story. <laughs> so, so you know, you'll have to wait till later for that until I have a lawyer sitting next to me or something. But, but uh, I do remember a couple. One was her freshman year. She came out for soccer. And... It was pretty obvious that she was going to be one of our top defenders. Now, I'll be polite. She was diminutive compared to the, the boys on the team. Tiny? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but she was tough and she was tenacious. And she just didn't want to let people get around her with the ball. So I made the decision that she was going to start her very first varsity soccer game her freshman year. She was going to be our right defender. Now, the right defender is, uh, play, is defending the left side of the, the attacking team. And usually what the attacking team will do is put someone on that left side who is very athletic. And they can run very fast. And generally, the ball is going to get passed from the right side of the offense mm. toward the left. And that person is generally pretty adept at, at putting the ball in the goal. So putting her in that position, the very key position on the field, well, let's just say that there were people on the team at the time who questioned that. That was the best way to go. And I don't know if Darina remembers Sadr Nomikas. But, but Sadr Nomikas was the best player on our team at the time. And he actually went to bat for you. And he understood completely why you were going to play that position. You were playing the best in practice. And it had nothing to do with the fact that you were taking a spot away from a boy who was a junior or senior or something like that. It was, you put the best 11 people on the field. Mm. And when he got behind it, I don't know that the other guys did too, but at least they shut up about it. <laughs> and then you went out and just played so well, it, it kind of shut people up too. So you didn't, early on, you faced some adversity from your own teammates. And yet you came through it. You just went out and did your job in spectacular fashion. And you won them over. So I do remember that. 
I remember coaching you in track, and I mentioned this before, Sean, I, I know you've seen this. She makes this face when all of a sudden she decides she's going to get determined, right? And she just, she just kind of makes this face like, okay, this is it. We're going to do this now. And she sets her jaw and kind of looks down a little bit and just goes. And it's kind of like, okay, she's, she's got this now. I saw that in, in soccer, but I, I mostly saw it on the track where she would just decide, mm, I'm going to go get that person ahead of me or those two people ahead of me. And yeah, she did. So the other one, the, the famous story, and Darina, you can fill in any gaps that I leave here, is uh, okay. how she got roped into to doing hurdles. I literally just pulled, pulled a hurdle into the middle of the field. There's a football field in, you know, in the middle of the track. And, and said, how would you like to do hurdles? And, and she, she gave me a different kind of face, like, <laughs> are you crazy? <laughs> well, she knew I was, so it was just, you know, more confirmation. But she was good about it. We had a crash course of maybe like three minutes worth of work on the hurdle. And then, of course, she was ready <laughs> for, for the race. But I picked her because, number one, I knew she was fearless. And number two, because of her long stride, it was kind of well suited to what you need to get over a hurdle. I'll let her tell the rest of that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, our version of this story is in our Walk, Run, Soar devotional. So for friends who are listening, who have the book, you can find but, it in there. Book? Yeah, that book. book. <laughs> Look at our our model student. He brought the book to class. <laughs> that's one of the devotionals that's in the book, and I've shared about it a little bit on other podcasts as well. But I fell in love with the hurdle race that day because it was a challenge, and obviously never would have even attempted to do it if church hadn't just kind of said, "Here we go," and and believed in me and showed me a little bit of technique. I. I can't, I actually can't remember. Maybe got first or second place that day. It doesn't really matter. I, I you got points. I know that. That was the main yeah. thing. I didn't want to give up that race and not get any points. We needed points and you were going to get them. I know you were after points. And so I was like, okay, I got nothing to lose here. And the point was that it actually became kind of my specialty race after that. And I did some more training with another teacher at our school who had experience right. in hurdles. He was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He gave me some other great advice about how running through the hurdles is actually the strategy. And I questioned that a little bit in my heart when I first heard him say it, but just the idea that as we have obstacles, as we have hurdles in front of us, that we can't just slow down and try to jump as high as we can over them. Actually, the fastest way to get over a hurdle is to run, maybe even sometimes speed up to it and just kind of graze over the top and snap that leg down and keep running. And I think it's such a great metaphor for life as well. A lot of times we get so distracted by the obstacles obstacles and the hurdles and trying to get over them that we could have concentrated on where God was leading us and what the next right thing was for our lives. So I actually fell in love with hurdles and became a hurdle coach for our daughter's teams. So through elementary and middle school, and then our oldest daughter is going to be in high school this or is in high school this year. She's a freshman. So it's been really fun to actually 
coach some young women through hurdles. Mm -hmm. I coached high school track for nine years with my late husband, Eric Lee, and just got to mentor and coach some other women like you mentored me. Yeah, you're going to make me want to move to Fresno so I can keep that tradition going, you know. <laughs> Just listening to you talk about it, I'm like, yeah, I want to go back there. Yeah. Absolutely. Come out and visit. Plus, it's winter here, so <laughs> Fresno sounds great. See, we've got our hoodies on, and we think it's winter, but it was 55 and sunny today, so <laughs> a little different. We had actually, last Saturday, we had 70-something and oh, wow. sunny. But today we barely touched 40 and it was drizzly about half the day. I got to make a comment about that homecoming soccer game because I definitely remember Sauter and I remember how I kind of had to prove myself to him. But then he became like my brother on that team and he knew that I, I could work hard. So it was neat to see the bond that formed because you had faith in me and invited me into that position. And I do remember that in that homecoming soccer game, I think somebody from the other team took a shot on me. So (laughs) my mom loves to joke that I had a blue dress for the homecoming dance and I had a blue or black eye because of the soccer game I had played several hours earlier. (laughs) And you were proud of it. I was so proud of it. And we it's were just hiding. eyeshadow. <laughs> yep, that blue eyeshadow. And we we didn't have a football team at our high school. So soccer was kind of the main event. So it was so much fun to be on that team. We played all over Chicagoland and even in the suburbs. And yeah. I remember even there were some games we played in downtown Chicago that were in some rough neighborhoods. And my teammates would usher me to the bathroom. I don't know yeah. if that was your idea, church, yeah. or their idea. <laughs> Probably both. A little bit of both. That was that was some good times. <laughs> yeah. You might mention, too, that you, you ran track at a school that didn't even have a track. That's true. Yeah. So we were an urban school and yeah. private school, but we didn't have a track. Trained Tell us hill. about that. Well, we trained on the hill. We trained on the sidewalk. We trained in Jones Bowl. We ran stairs. We basically trained wherever we could, depending on the weather. For sure. It's it's funny, too, because Sean and I had the chance to coach at our daughter's elementary school. Um, they're at a different school now, but it was an urban school. Downtown Fresno did not have a track, and literally we were doing the same thing. We were running kids around the block, and they had to cross over, like, 15 driveways we were running them around the city park which how much was the city park it was uh just a little corner park and it was probably like 12 laps per 400 we had this little loop around the park and it was like maybe 100 meters for the entire loop (laughs) i didn't even think it was 100 meters the whole loop (laughs) so little did you know that back in chicago you were not only training me as an athlete but training me as a coach we persevere no matter what our resources is look look like no matter what our facilities look like (laughs) exactly embrace the challenge Make the best of whatever you got. <laughs> right. So I'm wondering if you have any kind of philosophies of coaching or th- 
things that were really important to you as a coach that you could share with our audience? What are some of those things that you use to encourage people? I think number one is to I have to understand that while I'm coaching that person, yes, they're an athlete, but by and large, their participation in athletics is going to end probably after high school or or if they continues, it'll be like recreational league. Mm -hmm. But they're always going to be a member of a team, whether that team is at work or that team is their family Mm. or just their neighborhood. So just instilling in people how, how to function as a member of a team, taking on leadership roles, even if it's just temporary. And Darina, you're a great example of that and all your different leadership roles that you have assumed. And then just the importance of training, that preparation, whatever it's going to, whatever it is that you're going to do, whether it's uh, a job or, or a hobby or some sort of activity to prepare for it and, and to show up and give it your best. I think that's the main thing, just to get across. And sports is a good vehicle for doing that. Music is too. And drama is too. And you were in enough shows, you, you know. I, I had no idea just how much went into that because I've never really done it, but now I have kids that have. And I see like, like the people who are running those shows are basically coaches. They put the, the people in the show through very much the same process that a coach does to prepare a team. So whether it's a, a kid is participating in music or drama or a sport, they're learning these, these other skills that are going to help them and carry over into life. I think as far as a coaching philosophy, that's it, is that the, the sport is one thing. Now we want to win this game, but mostly we want to just give it our best effort, do the best we can. And if we've given it our best, then the score doesn't really matter. Definitely. I think that's one of the things that I remember you instilling in me and my teammates on the soccer field and on the track. I think about endurance and perseverance just as those being two really high values for our team. I have some fond memories of running suicides, as we called them, on the soccer field. (laughs) Which That was was a basketball thing, and I thought, you know, there's lines on a soccer field. It would translate. (laughs) Yes, church translated that very well for us. And so um, we developed perseverance and endurance by running every line on the soccer field, which... I think there's more lines on the soccer field than on the basketball court, just for the record. (laughs) Yeah, there probably are. (laughs) But I do remember that was hard, but it was this physical and mental training that I want to perform the best I can, not just on game day, but even in practice. And I think that was something you rewarded in us. You wanted us to give 100% of our perseverance and endurance even in practice. And I think, you know, for a young high schooler, that's a big deal to learn those, those values. I I think that was because when I was playing high school basketball, I, I, I didn't get to play a lot. So practice was my game. So 
I wanted to push the guys ahead of me, you know, the, the starters. I wanted to make them work because that was my role on the team and then be a cheerleader on the bench. And hopefully they'd score a whole bunch of points and then I'd get in the game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's such a great perspective though, too, because sometimes we're on a team and you're not necessarily the leader, but you're yeah. still, you know, part of that team and being able to push perhaps the best athletes or those who are getting to be on the field or on the court. I love that idea because we're all in this race of life and we always have this opportunity for others to be watching us and be inspired and for us to be, you know, mentored and inspired by others. Exactly. Great value. Love that. Well, one of the things we love to talk about on our podcast and, and really why we started this podcast is because we wanted to get into some deeper conversations about the intersection of running and faith. And I think, you know, even with these values that we've been talking about, we've already been touching on it. But I'm wondering, how do you see those two things, running and faith, as being connected? Well, that's a great question, too. The connection may not be obvious at first, but if you run you you understand that when you run some days you feel good and some days you don't and sometimes the wind's at your back and sometimes in your face and it's cold or it's hot and the, or dogs are chasing you or <laughs> cars seem to be coming out of no, everywhere and 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 aiming for you but you also have these incredible moments of of clarity and peace where everything feels good. And, and I think it sort of parallels our faith walk, where there are times when it's a struggle and there's all sorts of things getting in your way and you have to dig a little deeper in your faith, just like you do when you run. And then there's other times when you're just coasting along and everything's going great and you, you enjoy that all the more because of what you just went through. But understand that it's not permanent. There will be some bumps in the road later on, but that's when our faith grows and deepens is through those, those difficult times when we have to put that face, that determined face on her and look on our face and, and just kind of bear down. And, and I'm not going to make a habit of saying that. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Chicago girl laughs about that one. But we, we do have to just kind of dig a little deeper and, and pray a little harder and get through some of those times to get to those moments of clarity. Are there any stories or verses from the Bible related to running that continue to inspire you today? As I get older, <laughs> the verse from Isaiah about waiting on the Lord and 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 soaring uh, like eagles like with your book that one is taking on more meaning because it says even the young men will grow weary which is i I feel sort of validated by that you know some vindication too but (laughs) because you know as i've aged running can be a bit more of a labor than it ever was you know now i have to work hard to go slow (laughs) or what what i used to consider like really slow and if you think about it you know it says that even the young men are going to grow weary but them that wait on the lord so it's not just the old guys who are going to get 
weary. Even guys like you, Sean, are going to get weary. Although I don't know that you ever do get weary, but <laughs> I don't know if I'm still. Maybe young. when it's your turn to do the dishes, <laughs> when it's your turn to do the dishes, you're kind of weary. I understand. All right. But, but I, I think that verse in particular would would be meaningful just to understand that there are things in life we wait for, and and that if we just kind of get out of God's way and let Him be God. That things happen, and and it may not happen in our time, but it will happen. Mm. I love that concept too. That when we're waiting, He actually renews our strength, as that passage talks about. So there's actually this great value in waiting. So often we say that word "wait," and especially in American culture, it's like impatience is behind it. But there's actually something so precious about waiting and being with God and letting him renew us in that space. In the little bit of research that I've done on it, in the Hebrew, that word wait implies expectancy. Mm -hmm. So you're not just mm -hmm. sitting there. You're sitting there expecting. It's a whole different flavor, if you will. Yeah. It's, a, it's a different kind of wait. I know it's going to happen. It's like you're waiting for a bus and you know the bus is going to be there except that the bus has a schedule and God doesn't always share his schedule with us, does he? <laughs> oh, yes. We know that to be true. <laughs> well, I think that's a great place for us to conclude today. I know there's lots more stories yeah. that we could listen to you yeah. tell, but we just appreciate you being part of our show and giving some words of encouragement, especially as a coach. And I know that I have been greatly influenced because of your coaching. I actually had a friend of mine who... I've been mentoring another um, mama, and after she heard you speak at our book launch party, she said, wow, it's like I know where you came from. <laughs> 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 she could identify some of those values that I have as a coach that came from you. And I think that's just the beauty of coaching. It's this multiplication thing that happens. Well, you know, if, if there was a little bit that could get passed on, that's great. Just... um. None of the bad stuff, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I got that, though. <laughs> yeah, but I've been really appreciated that you guys are great. I love the book. And hopefully we can do this again sometime. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being a part of this with us today. My pleasure. Absolutely. This week's coaching tip has to do with speeding up towards the end of your run. At the end of long runs, gradually increase your pace the last mile and envision yourself running and racing towards the finish line. This will help you in any upcoming races to be able to finish strong and with a smile on your face. Before we close, I just wanted to share a few more details with you about our new book if you haven't heard about it. Walk Run Soar is a 52-week devotional and training journal that's designed for runners and walkers who long to experience God's presence in a deeper way. 
Walk, Run, Soar gets you moving with a new motivation. And that motivation is knowing Jesus more deeply. And what I love about this book is that it also includes some practical things, training plans, some reflection questions, and a space for journaling. Whether you would like to record your mileage or just write down a few things that God might have shown you along the way as you were working out. And I know that many of you are probably trying to figure out what to get your people for Christmas this year. And so we want to encourage you to buy this for your friends, your family members, maybe even to add it to your own Amazon wish list. Walk Run Store is a great gift to encourage all the runners and walkers in your family. And it's also a great gift to help people just jumpstart their 2021. And don't forget to join our free Glory Chasers Christian Running Group in Facebook. We offer up coaching, community, and courage in that space. We'd love to have you hop over there and connect with runners and walkers from across the globe. And we'll be kicking off a new training season in January. Make sure you follow all our posts there. And we also want to invite you to subscribe to our weekly Glory Graham newsletter. This is the way that we keep in touch with people more personally. We know that social media can sometimes get a little bit noisy. And so I send out an inspirational story and recommendations for great books and videos, music, running tips, and more. So we send these out weekly. And we're doing something really special for December. This is my fourth year that I am sharing an Advent devotional that you can do on your own or with your family. I send those out every Sunday morning to subscribers of our Glorygram. And this year's theme is Under His Wings. So this is an exclusive series that includes a written portion as well as an audio portion. I would love to be able to gift this to you. So make sure that you are signed up. You can head over to DarinaGilmore.com and there is a place where you can subscribe to my Glorygram. Well, thanks for joining us today. This was episode 12 of The Walk run soar podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and running this was our last and final episode of season one but don't fret because there is season two just around the corner we are so grateful for all our listeners we are celebrating more than 1700 downloads from friends across the globe including the uk canada hong kong and Djibouti. And we're looking forward to starting out a new season. John and I have prayed about it and talked about it, and we are going to do season two starting in January. So make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast today or on the YouTube channel so that you can get the next episode as soon as it drops. We're going to be taking some weeks off, but now is a great time to go back and catch up on those episodes that you might have missed. And please feel free to reach out and let us know if you have suggestions for guests that we might include in the future or any feedback that you would like to share with us. We are here to serve you.